Blog Talk Radio. if it had not been for you, we would not be here. We opened our eyes this morning, God, because you gave us the strength to open our eyes. We were able to rise because you gave us strength in our limbs and the facilities of our body. We were able to get here, God, because you blessed us. 
and brought us the way of safety and did not allow harm to come to us, Lord. We're grateful to again come into your presence because we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as we come before you today, have your way, Lord. Let flesh be crucified that you might be glorified, that your people might be edified in the name of Jesus. For God in you is life. And that's what we seek, God, life, eternal life, God. We pray, O oh God, today that you will touch every person that have come seeking you, Lord. Bind the hand of the devil, God. Rebuke the hand of the enemy, Lord. God, let your anointing that resonates in this place even now. God, let there be an outpouring on your people. We need you, God, to take us to another level in you, Lord. God, we're faced with demonic forces, God. Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord, and we need to be fortified with your power. God, we can't make it on our own strength, God. We don't have enough to stand on, Lord. But we know, God, that your joy is our strength. Fill us up on today in the name of Jesus. Somebody have come this morning burdened down, God, with the issues of life, God. Somebody, God, is in the battle of their life. Somebody's, God, fighting in their mind and in their spirit, Lord. Where the devil have come in to war against them, Lord. But we thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us than he that is within this world, God. We know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord. That you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're no short of your promise, Lord. And you're able to deliver us, Lord. Touch us on today, Lord. We need you like never before. Fill us up with the Holy Ghost, God. And give us a refilling, Lord. That when we leave here today, Lord, we can leave with your anointing, Lord. That as we meet men and women, boys and girls, they might be converted to know who you are, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you because you are a healer. You're the God that healeth thee. And healing is in your wings. And you're able to touch our feeble bodies. You're able to save our troubled souls. And in the name of Jesus, bind every demon, Lord. Every demonic force, Lord. God, that comes to keep us in the same place, Lord. We're willing, God, to surrender and say yes to your will, Lord. We're willing to turn our lives, God, over into your hands, Lord. Because we come to the place, God, where we realize like never before, we need you, Jesus. More than anything we know, we need you, Jesus. While men are trying to find God, solutions to this chaotic world, God, we're looking to you, Lord. Because we know for every right desire, there is an answer. And Jesus, you're that answer. There's no need for us, God, to turn hither or thither, Lord. We need but to look for you, Lord. Because you're the answer, God, for our troubled lives, Lord. Touch on the day, God. Break every yoke, oh God. Save on the day, God. Deliver on the 
today, God. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. We know that you're able to save our souls. We know that you're able, God, to heal our bodies, Jesus. We know that you're able, God, to turn our situations around. Jesus, no other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, to deliver our children. You're able, Jesus, to save the unsaved husband. You're able, Jesus, to heal the cancer patient. Nothing too hard for you, Jesus. No other God we know. We know that you're able, Jesus. We know that you're able, Jesus. We say yes to your will, God. Yes to your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. And we'll give your name the praise. And we'll bless you, Lord. Yes, we thank you, Lord. And we bless your holy name. Come on, open your mouth and give the Lord some praise.
My message is entitled, The Wolf is at the Door. The Wolf is at the Door. Father, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, for your word. It's a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. I thank you, Lord, for the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit that gives us new hearts, Lord, so that we can stretch out beyond our limitations and be ambassadors of you and your word to all who can still hear. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing of your spirit. I thank you for courage and compassion today, God, to speak things that need to be spoken in this generation. Help us, Lord, as a church, never to back away from truth. Help us to go forward and let it fall where it may. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. The wolf is at the door. Isaiah chapter 53. Prophet Isaiah says these words. Who has believed our report? Beginning at verse 1. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, it's, it's so important before we even begin to look at this passage of Scripture to understand that it was a religious system that crucified Christ. You know, we understand that the Roman authorities were the instruments of his death, but it was the religious order of the day created by God's own people that put the Son of God on a cross. There were leaders in that generation, and they had, they had used their position over the people to garner titles for themselves. They had adorned themselves in righteous robes as they saw it, and they, they loved to parade among the people, as Jesus said, and be called master, teacher, teacher, teacher in the marketplace. But Jesus himself came in a form that he did not take on this form of grandeur that men give to themselves. And also, too, they created a system of salvation that was much wider and much more inclusive than the one that God had given to us. As a matter of fact, it was so narrow that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. They were so offended when he challenged their religious system because they had, they had created this wide door into eternal life and eternal bliss with God that doesn't exist. All kinds of people were coming into the temple defiled and going out defiled. They were living in manners and ways that the Bible clearly indicated would leave them excluded from the kingdom of God forever. And so in comes this man. He's not interested in their system. He's not trying to garner one of their titles. He's not doing things their way. The Bible says there was no beauty in him that we should desire him. 
He's not dressed in righteous robes. He's, he's not got boxes on his forehead. He's not walking around with tassels on his arms. He's not parading like some rooster before the people, talking about how close to God he actually is. They despised him and rejected him because he challenged the religious system. They had created a system of redemption that did not exist. Do you understand? And that's the propensity of humankind. The original sin in the Garden of Eden is that we can be as God is. Remember, we can, we can become judges of what's good and what's evil. And if you take that to its logical extension, we can start declaring things that are, that are God forgives when he doesn't. We can start declaring behaviors righteous when they're not. We can start telling people they're going to heaven when they aren't. That is the grave, grave danger of religion. When humankind in its sin nature is allowed to take it and so twist it and so pervert it that it becomes something that God never intended it to be. Can you imagine sitting in a place as a professed or supposed believer in Christ only to end up at the throne of God one day to find out you've been outside the whole thing all along? What a tragedy that's going to be for so many. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. There was a, a heaviness in the heart of the Son of God as he looked on the people as sheep without a shepherd. But we hid our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. And we are, of course, reliving the scripture again in great measure in our day. In many, many places, even where God's people are gathering, the word of God is despised. And we are now gravitating to fancy preachers who have opened the door real wide to people who are not going to heaven, giving them false peace when they're not at peace with God. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old things are what? Passed away. And behold, all things are become new. If, if we are in Christ, if Christ is in us, that means a new value system. It means a new heart. It means a new mind. It means a new way of speaking, thinking, living. It means that what God says is good is good, and what God says is evil is evil. We don't try to change that. We accept that from the Word of God. Now, this message is given to shepherds to bring us not only to the knowledge of our salvation, but to the freedom which Christ bought for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his beating, as it is, that he took on the cross, we are healed. The old things don't have power over us anymore unless we choose to let them. The old ways of living, speaking, thinking, doing are broken. And we become new creations in Christ. We are able to look back and say, thank God, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not everything that I hoped to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be, and thank God I'm going to be one day what Christ is calling me to be. So there's this constant moving forward in the life of a genuine believer, leaving an old way of thinking, an old way of living, an old way of speaking, and moving to truth, even when it's painful. The book of Proverbs says a righteous person swears to their own hurt and doesn't change. In other words, I say I'm going to do this and I do it because God's word says I should even if it causes me pain. And I don't turn from it. Now Paul was this kind of a shepherd. He, 
he didn't hold back, as I said earlier. This is what he said in Acts chapter 20, verses 26 to 31. He said, therefore, I testify to you this day, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. In other words, and this is the cry of my heart. If anyone here today, hearing my voice, ends up in hell, let it not be my fault. Let it never be because I didn't declare to you the whole counsel of God, or I didn't warn you of something that had the power to drag you down into eternal darkness. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Paul says, for this I know, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone, he said, day and night with tears. Paul said there's going to be wolves that are going to come and they're all already, there's packs of them now. It's not just a few, there's many now in our generation. And they're going to come to devour this sacrifice of Christ and the promise of new life through him. They're going to promise you liberty as the scripture says in the New Testament, but they themselves are the slaves to corruption. They're promising something they're not experiencing themselves and they can't deliver it. Listen to what Jude says, the last book of the New Testament before the book of the Revelation. Verse 3 says, Behold, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities round about them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Here's what the wolves do. They teach that you can live a lifestyle against the word of God and still claim heaven as your eternal home. That is the wolf that's now at the door of the Christian church in America. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, that means people who engage in sexual intercourse outside of the bonds of marriage between one man and one woman. Fornicators are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Settle it, it's in the word of God. Don't be deceived into thinking you can live in a moral lifestyle and heaven will still be your home. So hard for this generation to hear. 
when you've got preachers standing in pulpits saying, well, God understands your need and God is a God of love and God won't send anybody to hell. No, that's not true. God is a God of love. We know that. But the Bible tells us that fornicators have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Nor idolaters, people who have other loves in there. Something that is in your life that, that is, is, is your whole obsession. Churches or Christ is just a little part of your life, but there's something else in your life that you're pursuing. Nor adulterers, people who engage, who are married, but engage in... You know, today we take words like adultery and we call it an extramarital affair, as if it's a black tie event. You know, you are invited to an extramarital affair next Friday at 5 o'clock. Bible calls it adultery. Adultery. Settle it. Deal with it. The sex outside of marriage will keep you outside of the kingdom of God. And sex outside of the bonds of the person that you are married to, the, white, the man or woman you're married to, will also keep you outside of the kingdom of God, unless it's repented of. Nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. In other words, that's both, men and women. Folks, listen. I understand the dilemma, in a sense, uh, that some might face in same-sex attraction. But I'm telling you, you can't give in to that lifestyle on any level. Because the Bible clearly says it will leave you outside the kingdom of God. Jesus himself said some people are eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. In other words, some people just live their lives without any sexual activity for the kingdom of heaven's sake. And he said whoever can hear this, let them hear it. You know, you can, you go to a funeral, for example. And you can dress it up with flowers all around, and you can, there's a death certificate. And the preacher can get up and say nice words. But the reality is that the corpse is still dead. You can't make it live. It doesn't matter what you do. But it's the same with homosexual marriage, folks. I've got to say it straight out today. I'm not going to hold back on it. You can adorn it with flowers. You can get a certificate from City Hall. You, you can find some backslidden preacher to say nice words about it. But the wages of sin is still death. You can't change that. Now listen, I'll be called a hater for, for this message today. I understand that. But I'm not a hater. If I hated you, I'd let you go to hell. If I hated you, I'd let you die in your sin. If I walk down the street and your house is on fire and you're up in your bedroom window and I don't warn you, am I really a good neighbor? Do I really love you? Do I really care about your eternal destiny? You can curse me out of your bedroom window all you want, but I will still warn you that your house is on fire for your soul's sake. Nor thieves. Lest we should think that we're just going to focus on one thing. Or thieves. That means people who steal. It's that simple. People who steal. People who steal a little. They have a contract maybe and steal a little bit more than they should. Income tax time is coming around, folks. Are you going to pay your taxes? <laughs> nor covetous. Nor drunkards. People who come to church this morning, but you were out at a club last night. 
You're drinking and dancing and, and this foolishness. I'm out there to share the testimony of Christ. Who are you kidding? If you really are there to do that, stand on the sidewalk with pamphlets in your hand and give it to the drunks coming out of the club. You don't need to be in there with them. No revilers. You know, especially in, in this environment we're now living in, in this country at this time, where reviling has is is, is become the speech of the day, where it's, it's fashionable just to curse everybody around you. You know, Paul said revilers don't inherit the kingdom of God. We have a different heart. We have a different spirit. We're, we're a different kind of people. Jesus himself said, blessed are the peacemakers. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. I love that. Would be to God that I can honestly say that of everybody here today. Such were some of you. But you are sanctified. That means you are set apart for the kingdom of God. You are, you, 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 you honestly repented. You walked away. You moved away from what God's word says is wrong. You can't make it right. You can't change it. It doesn't matter if a million people say, oh, isn't this wonderful? If God's word says it's not, it's not. You are sanctified. You walked away. You walked away from these old ways of thinking, these old behaviors and all of these things. And you set yourself apart for the kingdom of God. You're justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Now you and I are living in an hour where the wolf is heading to the door of the church. Demanding in our generation that we bow down to this new definitions of good and evil. This is where we're living. The days of being able to say without penalty what I'm saying today are, are over if they're not if they're not over they're very close to over it's an amazing time that we're now living in jesus said in john chapter 10 i am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep but a hireling who is not the shepherd one who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep this is the point there's a lot of hirelings in a lot of pulpits in america today and they're, they're they don't necessarily leave the people but they leave biblical truth they flee the truth when the wolf is at the door when the wolf says if you don't bow down this is our golden statue this is what this generation is going to look like this is what you'll preach these are the truths that you will espouse they will bow down when the music plays to save themselves because it's always been about themselves not about the people the hireling will flee and you will you are seeing and you will see a huge departure from biblical truth in the Christian church in this last hour we're living in. The Bible declares that there's going to be an apostasy, a great falling away in the last days from biblical truth. And the hirelings will lead the people, not into the narrow way of eternal life, but into that broad way of destruction. And they flee because it's always done about them. It's been about the robes. It's been about the praises of man. It's been about the titles. It's been about the numbers. It's been about the apparent evidences of success. Then when Christ comes and challenges them, they hate him. His own system hated him. His own people hated him. 
They pushed him away because he declared their definitions of salvation and truth to be bankrupt. He told them they were full of dead men's bones. He said, you go cross land and sea to get one convert and you make him twice the child of hell that you've become. These are the words of Christ. He warned us in the last days there would be a great falling away. He warned us. He said, you're going to be hated of all nations for my name's sake. You can't escape that. That's a promise in the word of God. We're going to be hated. It's starting now. You're seeing it in society. You're seeing it in the workplace. You can't even have an opinion on things anymore in this generation that we're now living in. Let me say it clearly now. Abortion. For the cause of birth control. Or, or so the people, I understand there are extenuating circumstances, so please don't misquote me on this. But for the cause of just birth control or for the cause of having sexual pleasure and not having to deal with the life that it can create is sin in the sight of a holy God. It's a terrible sin in the sight of a holy God. In America today, the deliberate gender confusing of our children in grade school is sin in the sight of a holy God. In our high schools, forbidding our children to pray and creating this fictitious division between the state and the church, which doesn't exist. If you really study it, you'll understand it never existed. It was created by the godless. Forbidding our children to pray in our schools is sin in the sight of a holy God. In our colleges, allowing godless professors to rise up and mock God and radicalize a whole generation against even their own nation that was founded by God for the purpose of being able to worship according to the word of God and freely by conscience is sin in the sight of a holy God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So let this society despise him. Let them consider him ordinary. Let them rebel against his words. But this day, if, as Joshua once said, if it be hard to follow the Lord, that's your choice. Choose this day. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. By the grace of God, we will not bow before the wolf in this generation. By the grace of God, we will stand for the truth of God. By the grace of God, we will pray again. We will pray again as a church age. By the grace of God, we will stand up unashamed for the truth of Jesus Christ. We stand on the side of victory. We stand on the side. We stand on the side of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, glory, glory.
And as uh, David the king once did, we will stand in this generation against the lion and the bear and everything that comes in to devour our children and to devour the people of God. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up. It's time for the people of God to fight back. It's time for us to begin to pray. It's time to run for public office. It's time for teachers to speak. It's time. It's time for the people of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Glory, 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 glory. The true shepherds of God in this generation are going to care more for the people than for their own safety. More than our own reputation. It's not going to be an easy road. But I don't know about you, but I'm not giving up this generation to darkness. I'm going to stand because the word of God stands forever. The opinions of men are like grains of sand on the seashore. They'll fall into nowhere. But the word of God abides forever. Now here's where I conclude. If you're living in sin, I plead with you, while there's still time, turn. Turn from it. And trust God for the strength. I know there's some sitting here or listening online or they're in the annex and they say, you don't know how deep the bondage is. You don't know how powerful the draw is. No, I don't. But I know the Spirit of God is more powerful than all of that put together. And I know the promise of God is that we will have a new life, an eternal life. The days of living in Christian ease is over in America, folks. It's over. We're about to join our brothers and sisters in China and other places who are being persecuted for what they believe. In Iran, who are being jailed and put to death for believing in Christ. We've lived a very comfortable, very lazy Christianity in America, but those days are over. The wolf is now at the door. Pray for those of us who lead in any capacity that God would give us courage. As I pray for you, that God would give you a cleanness of life and practice and heart and give you the courage to speak up in whatever environment you find yourself in. Our children are starving for truth in this generation, and they're wide open. There's only a few Goliaths that claim that they have the power to keep us from being the people of God, but they don't. So I challenge you with all my heart, turn from sin, find that new life in Christ, and rise up and be the person that God's called you to be. We're going to sing for just a few moments. We're going to worship. I guess my elder call is just twofold today. It's for people to say, oh God, help me please to turn from this thing in my life. I don't have to tell you what it is. You already know. Help me to turn away from watching pornography. Help me to turn away from drink. Help me, God, to turn away from that flirtation in the office. 
help me, God, help me, God, to stop railing. Get me off, get me out of the seat of the scornful and help me to walk with the righteous. Deliver me, God, from cowardice and put a love for people in my heart that casts out all fear. Give me a voice to call this generation back to you again. And God, help me not to cower under the fear of the repercussions that will come all of our way. You know, I was in Washington and there's an ex-general there who really <clears throat> gives courage to my heart every time I meet him and talk with him. And essentially, what he would say if he were standing here is, you have to fight for a cause higher than your own preservation. If it's just about preserving yourself, you'll flee when the enemy comes. If it's about others, you'll stand. May God give us the courage in this generation to stand for those that don't have a voice for themselves, for our children, for the unborn, for our high school students, for our college students, for every mother, every father, every child in this country that needs to know there's a Savior who died for them. Give us the grace to be kind and compassionate to all, not judging anyone, we leave that to God, but reaching as far as we can reach into this mass of fallen humanity with this message of incredible grace that belongs to every person who turns to it through Jesus Christ. So, Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you will today cause your kingdom to advance. You will give us the strength and courage that we now need as a people to stand against the onslaught of wickedness that wants to extinguish the testimony of your life and word. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for courage for your people as others throughout the world have had to have. God, deliver us, Lord, from this life of ease that so many of your people have known and bring us into the true fight for the souls of men. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. God, we yield our bodies today to this purpose. We thank you in Jesus' name. So we're going to stand in a moment. For those who just, you just know you have to turn from something. And for those who want to turn towards Christ, maybe you don't have a struggle that I'm talking about in your life, but you say, God, I'm stuck in neutral. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going back and I'm not going forward. But today you say, I want to make a difference. I want my life to count. I want my voice to have authority. If that's you, we're going to stand. I'm going to ask you to make your way here. We're going to pray together and believe God to answer our prayer. In the annex, you can make your way here. We'll wait for you in the campus churches. Step between the screens if you want.
Exodus at chapter number 32. And I want to read to us verses 1 through verse number 14. Exodus at chapter 32. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, be what not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, This be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. Verse 14 reads, and the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do to his people. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. I want to talk to us tonight from this thought or this subject, lessons from the golden calf. Lessons from the golden calf. 
The children of Israel had come to Egypt as the honored and privileged guests of Egypt's Pharaoh. They came to Egypt as honored and privileged guests. But the Bible says there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And these people who had come as honored and privileged guests are now slaves in Pharaoh's Egypt. Every morning and every evening, they go out to the brick kilns in Egypt and they are subservient under brutal taskmasters, harsh conditions. The brutality of Egyptian slavery has worn them down. Their, their brows are sweating. Their bodies are bent and gnarled from labor. And they go to sleep every night on tear-stained pillows, crying, Lord, send us a deliverer. But while men are moaning, God is moving. Every night, bodies gnarled from labor, their backs are bent, their spirits are drooping within them, and they've cried, for 400 years for God to send them a deliverer. God heard them. And Moses is born. Moses is born to Yoshebed and Amram. And he's born at a time when Pharaoh has decreed because the people of Israel, the Hebrews, are multiplying so quickly that Pharaoh has decreed that every firstborn male should be put to death. Moses is born when the edict goes out that the firstborn males should be put to death. Yoshebed and Amram notice that the Bible says Moses is a goodly child. God's hand is on Moses even at birth. And God arranges that while he is to be drowned in the Nile by Egyptian midwives, the same waters that are to drown him are the same waters that God uses to save him. His mother fashions a basket of bulrush and pitch, and every day she floats him in the very waters that were supposed to drown him. His sister Miriam goes out there every day while the basket is in the reeds of the river Nile. And the waters that were supposed to drown him, God uses those waters to save him. One day God again arranges that Pharaoh's daughter would come down to the Nile to take a bath. Now bear in mind that there's running water in Pharaoh's house, hot and cold because of Egypt's advanced civilization. There's running water, hot and cold, from faucets in Egypt's palace, 
But God arranges for Pharaoh's daughter to take a bath. She comes down to the Nile to bathe, and at the right moment, God providentially shakes that basket, and that baby starts crying. He doesn't cry in Egyptian. He just cries. He doesn't cry in Hebrew. He just cries. Pharaoh's daughter is moved and she wants to take the baby home. And God providentially arranges that, that Moses' sister Miriam is standing right there to ask Pharaoh's daughter, should I go find a nurse to nurse this baby? Pharaoh's daughter sends Moses' sister to come back with a nurse and Miriam comes back with their own mother. And Moses is reared in the splendor of Egypt as the adopted grandson of Egypt's Pharaoh, but he nurses by the breast of his own mother. And his mother gets it over to him that even though you are up there with them, you are not one of them. Even though you are raised in Pharaoh's house, you are not an Egyptian, you are a Hebrew. She tells him the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I think the reason our young people are so messed up is because we're not telling them our stories. We're not reminding them of how God has brought us. How many doors God has opened for us. How many ways God has made for us. How many prayers God has answered for us. I wish you could have known my elders down in Louisiana where I was born. They were demeaned. They were degraded. Epithets of condescension hurled at them as if it were ordinary language. They were called nigger and gal, uncle and boy. My great-grandmother died one week before she turned 100 years old, and white children she raised called her by her first name. They had to get off the sidewalk when white people passed by. Every drinking fountain, every back door, every courtroom, every hospital, every act of legislation, every police authority said to them, you do not matter. They were nothing all the week long. Monday through Saturday they were cooks and chauffeurs, domestics and gardeners. They were nothing and nobody Monday through Saturday. But on Sunday morning, a strange dignity caught them. And a sense of grandeur overwhelmed them. And I heard them singing. They had wallpaper that was made of newspaper. But they sang over my head. I hear music in the air. There must be a God somewhere. And here we are with two cars in the garage and six-figure salaries, an opportunity that they never had. And God has brought us through a winding way. And we sit down in this church tonight and act like we don't know who God is. You never open your mouth since 7 o'clock. All the music this choir just rendered, you never smiled, you never clapped, you never said thank you, Jesus. But the Bible says, let everything, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. 
like the redeemed of the Lord. Say so. I, I, I don't need I, I don't need no praise team to tell me to give God praise. I, I don't need no preacher telling me to open my mouth and praise God. When I look in the rearview mirror of my own life and see how many hills God has brought me over, how many storms God has brought me through, I wish I had a witness here. I know how good God has been to me. If I've got to praise God by myself, if I've got to thank God by myself, thank you. Hallelujah. You're up there with them. But you're not one of them. You're one of us. One day Moses saw a fellow Hebrew being abused by an Egyptian and he killed him and buried his body in the sand. Some days later he saw some Hebrews quarreling and he tried to separate them and they said, are you going to kill us like you killed that soldier the other day? And now Moses is a fugitive from Egyptian justice. He has to run and hide from the ire of Pharaoh. But God demonstrates how Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody. And he spent the second 40 years of his life finding out he was nobody. But he spent the last 40 years of his life finding out how God can take nobody and make him somebody. 40 years in Pharaoh's house. 40 years in the Midian desert. He's 80 years old when he sees a bush on fire, but it's not being consumed. George Whitfield, the great British preacher of another generation, said there was fire over that bush, fire under that bush, fire in that bush, but no fire on that bush. It was burning, but it was no smoke. Fire, but no ashes. And Moses said, I have to draw near to see this unusual sight. And when he draws near, he hears the voice of God saying, Moses, Moses, take your shoes off. For the ground you stand on is holy ground. I need to tell somebody in Mount Zion tonight who's gotten beside yourself, when you come in this church, take your shoes off. I don't mean literally take your shoes off. I mean leave your ego in the car. Leave your supposed importance in the car. Leave your self-esteem in the car. Because there ain't nobody, nothing in here tonight but Jesus Christ. He is the center and the circumference. He is the subject and the verb. Of the Christian religion. The only star in this show tonight is Jesus Christ. God said, I've heard the cries of my people by reason of my task of their taskmasters, and I'm now ready to come down and deliver them. But I need you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. 
And you know the story. Moses goes to Pharaoh, and nine times Pharaoh hardens his heart. But the tenth time, God did it for him. God hardened his heart. And God told Moses to get all the Hebrews together and tell them that tonight the death angel is going to fly over. Tell them to get some unleavened bread and some bitter herbs. But tell them to sacrifice a lamb without spot or blemish and sprinkle blood on the doorpost and on the lentils. For at midnight, the death angel will fly over in every house that has the threefold blood mark. When the death angel flies over, exemption will occur. And you are in Mount Zion tonight because the blood was sprinkled over your house. You're not here because you've been so holy. You're not here because you've been so good or so careful. You're here tonight because you're covered by the blood. The death angel flew over. The Egyptians died that night. Moses and two million Jews got out of Egypt with a strong arm and an outstretched hand. They come to the Red Sea and the people cry to Moses and Moses cries to the Lord. And the Lord says, why are you crying to me? Use what you have in your hand. Moses stretches forth that rod. The sea opens six miles wide. And the children of Israel walk over on dry ground. God loves them so much, he won't even let them get their feet muddy. They go through the Red Sea on dry ground. And the same waters that opened for the Hebrews, when Pharaoh's army tried, closed on the Egyptians. And their dead bodies and Pharaoh's army and his horses and his chariots washed up on the seashore. Moses' sister Miriam took the tambourine. And sang a new song. God is a man of war. He's fought many battles. He's never lost one. And Jehovah is his name. Now listen how God again has a sense of humor. God takes an 80 year old man. With two million complaining Jews. To take them on a journey of 90 miles that could have taken two weeks and ended up taking 40 years. An 80-year-old man with some complaining Jews, a journey of 90 miles that should have taken two weeks, it ended up taking 40 years. Before they get to the promised land, God brings them to Mount Sinai and God speaks to Moses, tells Moses to come up to the mountain and Moses goes into the Shekinah cloud of Mount Sinai and leaves Aaron and the children of God down in the valley and here's where chapter 32 happens. Moses is up in the mountains and the people are in the valley rebelling. There is a fierce rebellion because six weeks has passed since the blood dried on the doorpost. Six weeks away from the brick kilns in Egypt. 
Six weeks away from God opening the Red Sea. All God did for them six weeks ago, they already forgot about. It must have been some black people in that crowd. It had to be some brothers and sisters in that crowd. Because how soon we forget. Somebody ought to help me preach here tonight. You make God all kinds of promises of what you're going to do and how you're going to come to church and you're going to start going to Sunday school and you're going to start paying your tithes. And as soon as you get on your feet, I wish I had one or two witnesses here. You forget about the God that you say you love. Six weeks since God delivered them, they are in rebellion. And they come up to Aaron, and they said to Aaron, get up and make us a God we can see. Because this Moses, we, we don't know what happened to him. Hmm. Now he just brought him. Moses just led him. But they said, this Moses, this Moses, they're just dismissing him. This Moses. We, we don't know what, what happened to him. Kind of like some members of our churches who we sow into their lives every week. Then T.D. Jakes come to town. Or uh, uh, Joel Osteen come to town. And we get some rhema word. Some fresh anointing. See how quiet you're getting right there? Oh, God. Um, because this Daniel Simmons, we don't know what become of him. Moses just delivered them, and they forgot about the one who led them. And listen, the reason they forget is because their devotion is not to God. Their devotion is to Moses. And when Moses disappears, their faith dissipates. Because right. if your faith is wrapped up in a pastor, you'll never love the master. Right. If your faith is tied up in Daniel Simmons, you can't shout if he ain't preaching. If your faith is wrapped up in a man, if you don't see his car at church on Sunday morning, you'll drive by. But my hope is built, I wish I had a witness, on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy, lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, not some pastor, on Christ, not some Sunday school teacher, on Christ. Not some choir director. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Their faith is wrapped up in Moses. And when Moses disappears in the mountain, the people are in 
rebellion. Listen to me, beloved. Aaron, who is Moses' second, has been wanting to be in charge. He's growing weary of sitting in the second chair, riding second chariot to Moses. He wants to shine. He wants to be the man. He wants to be in charge. And so they come to Aaron, and the scripture says they come and speak to Aaron, but, but the translation in the original is they come against Aaron. They come in a, in a crowd. They come as a gang. They come as some thugs. They come as some hoodlums and say to Aaron, get up from there. Come lead us. Make us a God that we can see. And Aaron, who's been wanting the spotlight. Aaron, who's been wanting to preach. Aaron, who's been trying to get the mic. Aaron, who's been trying to get in front of the people, acquiesces to their thuggish mentality. Hear me, children. There's something God puts in a leader that he never invests in a follower. There's something God gives Moses that he never puts in an Aaron. Aaron is weak and small and God never puts power in the hands of small people. God never invests authority in the hands of weak people. Scripture says be, be careful when you try to put a novice in a position of authority. You can take a little man and bring him to a big place like Mount Zion and he ain't going to stop till he bring it down to his sides. Because there's something God puts it in, in a Moses that he never puts in an error. That's true in the, in the church house where there are some people in positions that's too big for them. And they're not going to stop till they tear it up. If they don't run it, they're going to ruin it. Aaron is weak. And the people say, get up and make us a God. And Aaron gets up and he says, bring all your gold earrings. In. Take them from your wives and take them from your sons and daughters. Bring them to me. Bring all your gold that you have in your possession. Hear me. The gold that is in their possession is gold that God told them to take from Egypt for the building of the tabernacle. They took gold that was supposed to go in the tabernacle and built a golden calf. They wanted what the tabernacle represented, but they didn't want who the tabernacle represented. Y'all miss that. They wanted what the tabernacle represented, but they didn't want who 
the tabernacle represented. And that's just like people in our churches right now. They want what the church has to offer, but they don't want the Jesus Christ of the church. They want God, but they don't want to be committed. They want God, but they don't want to make any sacrifices. They want to come to church and, and, and have all the, the blessings that come from following God, but they don't want to be obedient. I, I don't know if this is going on in, in Georgia, but in Houston, that Lily Grove where I pastor, this, there's this new, this new thing going around in the city. I guess it's going around across the country, I suppose, where people who come in church now, they, they want to interview you before they join the church. Yeah. Um, and they call and say, um, I'd like to sit with Pastor Anderson. I'd like to, to interview him before my family and I decide to join the church. And uh, that's, that's foreign to me. I wasn't raised like that. But I, I, I let them come in and, and they start uh, asking me, oh, what does the church have to offer? And I feel my pressure going up from my feet on all the way up to my head. Because sometimes I'm a Christian and sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I feel like a saint. Most times I don't. And while they're talking, I can feel my blood going up to my head. And they want to know what kind of youth ministries we have and what kind of social outreach are we doing and what, what are you, what, and all that kind of foolishness. And I let them get it all out. And I say to them, now that's, that's wonderful. That's some great questions. Thank you for coming. But what do you have to offer? Because the church is not in the world to pay your rent. Somebody ought to hear me tonight. The church is not in the world to make sure your light bill is paid. The church is not in the world to meet your felt needs. The church is in the world for the propagation of the gospel that Jesus Christ might be magnified in your life. And when you come to join a church, what do you bring to the table? What do you have to offer? Are you a witness? Are you a tither? Are you a giver? Are you coming here with your dedication to God? What do you bring to the body of Christ? See how quiet you got again. No, no, we come to church with this entertainment philosophy and this nightclub mentality that the church ought to entertain us and the church ought to meet our needs and we sit down with our arms folded the whole service and say I didn't get nothing out of the sermon and the choir sing too long and it's, it's too hot in here and it's too much noise in here the babies cry too much I can't see my seat is way up there they won't let me sit down there oh lord when church gonna be over I'm tired of all of that how many songs they gonna sing how long he gonna preach. Oh Lord, I'm hungry. I'm sick. I'm mad. My back hurt. Sit down and shut up. This is the day that the Lord has made. You ought to rejoice and be glad in it. God didn't have to let you get up this morning. Uh, they, they rebel. 
And in their rebellion, God heard them. Be careful how you speak. Be careful of what you even let get in your mind. Because God hears you. If you really came here to worship, be careful who you sit by. Because not everybody came to worship. I wish I had somebody to help me hurry here. In the midst of their rebellion, God heard them. And God said, Moses, you need to get down there. Because your people. From southwest Georgia. Your people. Choir members at Shiloh. Your people. Deacons at Old Mount Zion. Your people. Stiff-necked folk at Mount Zion. Your people have corrupted themselves. God said, get down there and take care of that situation. But before you go, leave me alone. Don't bother me. I'm going to kill every one of them. I'm going to start all over with you. But brothers and sisters, in their rebellion, I want you to hear me. In their rebellion, before they know they need to be saved, God has already saved them. Because Moses, in their rebellion, goes before God with intercession. They, they don't know what God is getting ready to do to them. In that rebellion, he's already saved them. Because Moses interceded. Before they knew they needed to be saved, God already saved them. And that somebody in here tonight can help me testify that when you were in a club, God had already saved you. And somebody asked you, what you doing in here? You don't belong in here. You are not one of us. You tried to act like them. You tried to carry on like them. But they noticed that something was different about you because God saved you before you even knew you would save yourself. And then sometimes other folk can see how God has saved you before you see it. They know God has a calling and God has his hand on your life before you recognize it. Before they are even aware of salvation, Moses is interceding for them. And listen to what Moses says to God. He says, God, nah, don't act like that. Don't do that. That's not like you. I know you're mad right now, but that ain't your, that ain't your nature. Don't call them my people. They're your people. You brought them out. You delivered them. You've been good to them. I know they're crazy. I know they deserve to die. But don't act like that. Don't carry on like that. Because the Egyptians are going to say you brought them out and you couldn't save them. 
Don't carry on like that. Because if you do that, your name is at stake. If you carry on like that, God, your reputation is on the line. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't feel like that. I, I, know they, I know they ain't got no sense, but don't, don't do them like that. Uh, I, I, know, I know you say they're my people, but they're really your people. Uh, uh, please, God, don't, don't act like that. Don't, 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 don't even get that in your mind. God said, leave me alone. Don't intercede. I don't want to hear no intercession. I don't want to hear nothing. Leave me alone. I'm going to kill them and start over with you. I want you to see this simultaneous juxtaposition. Because while Aaron is in the valley, unable to restrain Israel, Moses is in the mountain restraining God. I need to say that one more time. While Aaron is in the valley, unable to restrain the people, Moses is on the mountain restraining God. Because there's something God puts in a Moses that he never puts in an Aaron. And that's something that Moses can do with God that Aaron will never have a chance. Moses is on the mountain restraining God. He said, God, don't act like that. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't carry on like that. Because your name is on the line. Your reputation is at stake. And the Bible says, one of the most beautiful lines in Scripture, God repented. God repented. God changed his mind. Now listen. Moses didn't change God's mind. God let God's own self change his mind. God changes his mind because he wanted to save him in the first place. God repents because God is going to do right in the first place. I don't think I got that over to you. Let me see if I can make that make sense. Those of us who read the Bible will remember the story when uh, Joseph brought his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, to the deathbed of his old father, Israel. I wish I had a Bible reader. And the scripture says that Joseph put the oldest on the right hand and the youngest on the left hand because the blessings always went to the oldest who was on Israel's right hand. But when Israel got ready to bless them, because he was getting ready to die, the oldest was on his right and the youngest was on his left, the Bible says that Israel crossed his hands and blessed the second rather than the first. That's why you got to be born again, because God can't bless your first man he crosses his hands and blesses your second man. And you are in here tonight. All the dope you smoked, all the alcohol you drank, all the mess you got yourself in that you should have been caught, God just 
crossed his hands and gave you another chance. You ought to be in jail tonight. But he crossed his hands. You ought to be sleeping in your grave. He crossed his hands. You ought to have AIDS or you ought to be an alcoholic. All the unprotected sex you have and God lets you live. He just crossed his hands. You ought to tell him thank you right now. Thank you for the stuff you kept me away from. Now there's somebody in here tonight. Your testimony. You ain't got no testimony about jail. You never been to jail. You never been on drugs. You never been carried away in a police car. You never shot up heroin. You never smoked crack or cocaine. That's not your testimony. And there are some persons here who's been through that. And God brought you through. But for the rest of us, salvation is not just what God brings you through, but what God keeps you from. He kept you from cocaine. He kept you from being the biggest fool in Albany, Georgia. He kept you from death and destruction because he crossed his hands. It should have been me. But on the cross at Calvary, he crossed his hands so that the cross, which is a sign in mathematics for plus, the cross becomes God's plus sign for my minus-minded humanity. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now, I wish I had a witness here, right now, in my seat, standing up on my feet, right now, I'm happy. I should be in my grave. I should be in the penitentiary. But he crossed his hand and changed his mind. I'm through now. But he told Moses, get down there. Because your people have corrupted themselves. And when Moses gets halfway down the mountain, he meets Joshua. And Moses said, I hear music and dancing. They must be partying like it's 1999. They're having a good time. They're doing a stanky leg down there. 
I hear music from the Cupid Shuffle. They're having a good time. Joshua said, no, it's not dancing you hear. It's not, it's not what you think it is. Moses thinks it's the noise of war. But Joshua said, no, they've corrupted themselves. And the scripture says, they sat down to eat and drink. But they rose up to play. And brothers and sisters, when Moses got there, the very thing he restrained God from doing, he did himself. He got so angry with them because they are stiff-necked people. God brought them. God made a way for them. God had them walking in sandals that would not wear out. Clothes that would not wear out. When they got hungry, he sent manna from heaven. When they got thirsty, he, he sent sweet water from a rock. He provided for them. He became for them what he was for Abraham, Jehovah Jireh, the God who would provide. Moses got so angry because of their rebellion just after he just got through interceding that the tablets of stone that God gave him, he threw it at that golden calf, ground it into a powder, and made him drink it. He said, uh, Aaron, what, what have you done? Aaron said, they just brought me some gold. I threw it in the fire. And up comes this calf. That's something God puts in Moses that he never puts in Aaron. Because Aaron is too weak to lead people. And you'll never lead people if your ego is in the way. You'll never be all God wants you to be if everything is about you. You will never be all the Christian God wants you to be if your mind is always on the material and never on the spiritual. If you're always time bound and never think about things of eternity. If you're always looking out for yourself and never think about anybody else. God will never use you greatly until he has hurt you deeply. Aaron said they brought me some gold and I threw it in the fire and out come this calf and Moses takes that, that, those tablets and throws it at that calf grinds it into a powder puts it in water and makes them drink it and I wondered about that what, what is that making them drink it stuff about the scriptures in, in the book of Numbers the scripture talks about a woman whom her husband thought was committing adultery. And the law in the temple was, if you suspected your wife or your husband of committing adultery, you were to bring them to the temple or to the tabernacle, and they were to take dust from the floor of the tabernacle or the windowsill of the tabernacle. Read it in Numbers when you get home. Put it in the water. It's in number 22. Put it in, the, in some water, and if they drink it and they get sick, they're guilty of what you accuse them of. And if they are not guilty, the one who made them drink it is going to get sick. Somebody ought to help me tonight. If God had a test tonight 
to get some dust off the floor of Mount Zion to see whether or not you are all the Christian you say you are, would you get sick? I wish I had my 730 crowd here tonight. If God were to test you to see if you are all that you say you are, what would happen in your testimony? He ground it in a powder, poured it in some water, and made him drink it. And then Moses said, now who is on the Lord's side? I'm true now. But the tribe of Levi came and stood by Moses. And then Moses told the people, because you have committed this grievous sin, I'm going back up to the mountain. And peradventure, perhaps, I can ask God to have mercy on you. And then you know the story I'm through. Moses goes back up to the mountain and he says, God, I know they're wrong. God, I know they've disappointed you, God. I know that they don't even deserve it. So if you're going to kill anybody, take me. Kill me in their place. Read the rest of chapter 32 when you get home. God, if, 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 you, if you're angry enough to destroy somebody, uh, don't do it to them. Block my name out of the book of life. Instead of taking them, take me. I'm through now. But God refused Moses' request. Because as much as Moses wanted to die for him, he wasn't worthy to die. As much as Moses wanted to give his life up for them, Moses was not a perfect sacrifice. God heard Moses' request, but God turned it down because he had another Moses who was going to come and die in their place. You don't help me close this, won't you? God could not take Abraham because Abraham lied and said Sarah was his sister when she was really his wife. I wish I had a Bible reader. God could not accept Moses because Moses got angry and struck the rock when God told him to speak to it. And God refused to let him go in the promised land because Moses himself disobeyed God. God couldn't accept David because David took another man's wife to bed and had that same man killed and lied about it for two years. But a prophet named Nathan came and raised his finger in King David's face and said, Oh King, I got a little story to tell you. This man had all these lambs and this one man had one ewe lamb. And he took that man's little ewe lamb and he had all those other lambs. King, what you think ought to happen to that man? David said, I think he ought to be put to death. And Nathan said, oh, king, you are the man. And David, in penitent consciousness, wrote Psalm number 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercy. Blot out all my transgressions. Create in me a clean heart and renew within me 
the right spirit. Is there anybody here had to pray that prayer before? Is there anybody here felt so ashamed? Is there anybody here felt so low down that you had to get down on your knees and say, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercy. God couldn't accept Solomon because Solomon had 700 wives and 300 women on the side. God couldn't accept Jonah because Jonah went to Nineveh. Well, I wish I had a witness here. God couldn't accept any of the judges, Samson or Jephthah. God could not accept Moses or David or Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Daniel or Hosea or Amos or Habakkuk or Zephaniah or Zechariah, Obadiah or Micah, Nahum nor Malachi, not even John the Baptist. But there was a man born in Bethlehem. There was a man reared in Nazareth. There was a man who healed the sick, who raised the dead, who made the lame walk. Y'all gonna help me call that name, won't you? There is a man who is able to save tonight. Is there anybody here who know who I'm talking about? He's Adam's redeemer. He's Abel's vindicator. He's Abraham's sacrifice. He's Noah's ark. He's Moses' bush on fire. He's Joshua's battle axe. He's Gideon's fleece. He's Samson's power. He's David's music. He's Solomon's wisdom. He's Jeremiah's bomb in Gilead. He's Ezekiel's wheel in the middle of a wheel. I haven't even called his name yet. And y'all about to shout all over this church. He's God's only son. He's Mary's baby boy. He's James and Jude's older brother. He's Matthew's king. He's Mark's suffering servant. He's Luke's great physician. He's John's word made flesh. He's Acts coming of the Holy Ghost. I haven't even called his name yet. And you about to shout all over Mount Zion. He's a rock in a weary land. He's a shelter in a time of storm. He's a friend when you're friendly. Bread when you're hungry. Water when you're thirsty. He died. Didn't he die? But early. Early. Sunday morning. He arose. Didn't he rise? With all power in his hand. If the Lord opened doors for you, help me praise his name. If the Lord made a way for you, help me praise his name. If the Lord answered your prayers, help me praise his name. Why don't you hug somebody? Why don't you grab somebody? Tell them you don't know like I know. You can't tell it like I can tell it. What the Lord, what the Lord, what the Lord, I know he's all right. Ain't he all right? Say yeah, yeah.
like this I say
play that for me?
and one day found him. He knew where I was, but I didn't know where he was. And after going to church all those years, taking my children to church, saying I'm a believer in all of that, I believed that Jesus was of the Son of God. But the evidence wasn't there, not daily. I didn't have daily evidence that I believed that. Over one day in the month of September in the year of 1993, God come. I found him. <laughs> and ever since then, I've been growing in him and staying with him. It don't make me perfect now. I have a long ways to go. I have things I still have to work on. Daily. Yeah. I'm yet striving for perfection. But Apostle Paul told me something. He said he wanted to show me a mystery. That we all would be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And I'm looking forward to that. That when God show up, when he's coming back, what I didn't have right, it gets right in me. Because I've been striving for it. I've been praying for it. I've been waiting for it. Yeah, I want to be like Jesus when he come back. I want him to see me in him. I want him to see himself in me. What did I do? I, I, I prayed and, and, and healed the sick. I, I raised the dead. I, I fed thousands. Yeah, I went to see when they told me somebody was over here messed up, I went over there to see what it was that I could do. And I know I was of my father, it was done. I'm of my father, so I know when I go, somebody is going to be blessed. It may not always be in the way you looking for, but it's gonna be in the way that you need, because God supplied need according to his riches and glory by his son, Christ Jesus. I was looking at my granddaughter, Kalani, and she can't walk. I know why. She don't, but I know why. And I would love for her to walk. But God has a purpose and a plan behind that. I believe he chose Kalani. And other things come up and Kalani go with other things. But she's got to learn about what he did before she entered a mother's womb. And she got to learn, I totally belong to God. I don't belong to myself. He paid a precious price for me. I was bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. And he made me and made me for his pleasure. And see, we got to remember these things and uh, give ear to the word of God. It teaches us this, and we got to remember, I'm not my own. I can't tattoo. I can't put piercings in my body. I can't dress like a prostitute. I was bought with a price. I'm not my own. Because if we want to do these things, if we want to be our own, we're going to have to leave God so we can go on out there and do what we want to do. But if we want to be his and he's ours, we got to follow his instructions to the letter, the very best that we can. Yeah. It's against God to do many things that people are 
doing and saying that they are believers, they are Christians. And the reason they can do these things, they haven't been in that book. They didn't seek God, you know, because we, we have to be thoughtful. We have to seek God on everything. And not because our mind tells us, because we're working with a natural mind too. And many don't even know what a spiritual mind is. They never allowed the spirit of God to lead and guide them. So they're yet doing what the natural mind say, but we got to come out of that and become a spiritual people because he's a spiritual God. And we got to remember what his word says, be ye holy, for I am holy. Holy is not going to tell you to tattoo yourself up. Holiness is not, holy is not going to tell you to pierce your body. Color your hair weird colors. Wear strange clothes. See, because these things are of, of other gods, not a holy God, but other gods. Hallelujah. And we got so many other gods. And people have created gods. Yeah. Their car is a god. Their house is a god. The money is a god. The job is a god. The baby is a god. My husband is a god. My wife. We've made so many gods. And these are the things we worship. And we give God a form. We don't give him the true us. We don't give him our true heart. We don't really love him. If you love him, you're going to get in that word and know what that word says, and you're going to obey it. And it's not so much as the thou shalt not, because God gives us freedom, even in the spirit. But we want to do the thou shalt, what he said or command us to do or require us to do. This is what we want to do. We don't want to do any and every old thing. And some people feel like, oh, that's a boring way. This is not a boring way. I never experienced a good life. As Lil Duval says, my best life. Until I come to God in the fullness. Ever since that day, I've been living my best life. This is the best life I've ever lived. Thirty-something years before I came to God. All the money, all the this, and all the that, and all the men, and all the yada yada. Cannot compare to where I am right now. Hallelujah. Back then, I couldn't just ask God for things and it's done. Today, I can sit anywhere. I can lay anywhere. I can walk anywhere talking to him. And if I ask for something that's within his will, he moves quickly, light and fast. He moves so fast sometimes, I be like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, because he moved fast. Yeah. I prayed to be debt free, and the enemy want to show me, oh, that's impossible. Are you kidding me? I serve a risen Savior. I serve the God that have all power. I serve the God that made the heavens and the earth. You can't tell me what God can't do or won't do. That you can't tell me. Now, you can tell me what he can do and what he will do, what he has done, and what he's going to do. You can tell me these things. 
But what he can't do, no sir, no man. No man, because with God, all things are possible. And we ask ourselves, is there anything too hard for God? What is it that's too hard for God that he made the heavens and the earth? Made us for his pleasure. Yeah. So we want to think on the good things of God. We want to keep our mind on him. He will keep us in perfect peace. Yeah. We want him to sanctify us daily through his truth, for his word is truth. We want to remember that every word of God is pure. And he's a shield that unto them that put their trust in him. Daily, daily. These type things keep us walking in the light. It keeps us following his lead. It, it keeps us getting his guidance because he want to guide our ways to make sure we get to safety wherever we're going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm just thankful unto him this morning for being on our side in spite of us for looking beyond our faults and yet meeting our needs. I'm thankful unto the Lord. Yeah. He won't leave us nor forsake us. He will be with us until the end. In the book of Psalms, David is saying, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We have to taste and see. We have to check God out. Try him for ourselves. I know we heard what the preachers say, the Sunday school teacher taught, this one and that one. But we have to do it for ourselves. Yeah. And I believe in that. I don't believe in a people uh, left hanging. I don't believe in if I don't give it to them, they can't get it. They can't understand it. And I don't believe in running behind every preacher, every win and doctor. I believe in getting one and stand still, because if I do that, I'm going to see the salvation of the Lord. Yeah. So I'm thankful unto Almighty God this morning for a sound mind, because this is what gives us, all of these things I talk about, is what gives us a sound mind. Yeah. And we want to keep a sound mind. We want God that, that bless us to remain stable, sound, wholesome, helpful. Yeah, this is what we want. Now, I thank God this morning that he's able to give it to us. Yeah. So thankful, thankful, thankful unto him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's none like him. Not like the God that we have, Jehovah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The songwriter said, Jehovah, there's no God like you. Jehovah, there's no God like you. And so I'm thankful uh, that we have the God like no other this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am just thankful unto him. I have one more request this morning. I'm going to that request. When I come back, the studio is open. If there's anyone who um, have something this morning they would like to say, press that number one and come in today. Yeah, 
and share with us. We're thankful unto the Lord to hear what he has done in you or, or what you're expecting, whatever your testimony is this morning. Hallelujah. Let's go to this one. And I got you when I come back, Sister Jerry. Nehemiah 8 and 6 and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen. Amen. Lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. When we receive a word from the Lord, our answer should be, Amen. Let the church say, Amen. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God has spoken. So let the church say amen. Let the church let them say amen. If you believe the word, let the whole church say amen. God has spoken, so let the church say amen. Lift your hands, lift your hands. God has spoken, so let the church Let the church say Your world is reeling. 
www.jesusinthemorningradio.com Hallelujah, Bishop Marvin Winans. Let the church say amen. I love that song. I love the way he put it together. But really, this man, he can sing any song. 
I, I've heard uh, this guy do uh, stand-up comedy about him, and he sung the ABCs. Uh, sound just like it, just like Marvin Winans. God bless you this morning. All right, Sister Jerry, I'm coming at you right now. Good morning. God bless you. How are you? Good morning, Sister Barbara. I am well. How about yourself? Oh, I'm well. I'm helpful. I'm hopeful. I'm great. I'm blessed. I'm yes, all Thank you. I'm all that God says I can have indeed. First mm-hmm. of all, I just want to say good morning to everyone. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 7 does work. Don't look to your own understanding. Don't even try to get ahead of God. I want to thank God for allowing me to see his work in, in action. Don't do what people tell you to do. Don't run and do when they say, just say, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. I turned this over to God. If I turned it over to God, I got to trust God. Because this is a test from God to see, am I going to faint, fall, or backslide? No, I'm not. I'm just going to say, thank you, Jesus. Have your way, Mm -hmm. Holy Ghost. Be still and hear God's voice. I had a little circumstances yesterday. I had like eight people telling me what to do. In the end, I told my very, very, very best friend this, Ramona. Ramona and I were born on the same day. We played together all our lives. We got mad together. We've been through some trials and trials. But I said to her, Ramona, if I've given him to God, this is what I'm going to do. She said, well, what, what? I'm going to be still and know he's God, first of all. Second of all, I'm going to pull my shoes off and dance because God is answering prayers. And remember when we give something to God, we don't take it back because when he gives us something, he don't come and get it. So today I thank God that I didn't move to my own understanding of what my friends say do. God works is in action. It might not look like it to others. Well, Jerry, Jerry, that's when God said, don't listen to people. You told her one thing. You gave him to me. And if you gave him to me, allow me to work. I put my Bible in my ear and I went to sleep about 8.30. I woke up when it was time for Jesus in the morning and heard powerful messages. Powerful messages, no joking, no nothing. And the last message was a wonderful message. So today, I thank God. Let's just be still, everybody. I know it looks hard. I know it looks bad. I know it looks like J.E.A. is out there cutting off your light. But you gave your bills to God. So if God say, I'm going to take care of the lights being turned off, don't get on the phone and call J.E.A. and try to make a deal. Get on your knees and call God. And those same people that cut your lights off will come right back out there and cut them back on. Because God sees your needs. All he's waiting on you is to acknowledge him. If you see your car on empty and you about 30 miles from home and it said 28 miles to empty, you still drive that car. Because you live 31 miles away, because you know 
I can't lean to my own understanding. I can't look at what's in front of my eyes. God has directed my path. I'm going to make it home with this car. He's not going to leave me out here in the storm and the rain. So today I just want to say, God, I thank you. I thank you for this little worm like me. Down at the cross, Lord God. I thank you that you are changing your people. Acknowledge you. That's all God wants you to acknowledge him. And he would turn the worst situation to one of the best situations you could ever hope for. So today, Sister Barbara, have a great day. And everybody just listening. Well, God is moving. And he's moving in our direction. This is a time to know God is on your side. It won't get done if God don't allow it. So accept what God allows. You're better off anyhow. Have a great day, Barbara. Okay, you too, Sister Gary, you too. And this morning, uh, right after the show, I won't be available this morning. And uh, Me neither. Remember, I got those tests I got to do. Okay, I'm, I'm yeah, doing a help. I'm working on me. Okay. I'm going yeah, to the doctor. I won't be available until after 12. Yeah, well, I won't be available probably until after 6. But uh, have a blessed okay. day. We pray all go well at the doctor's because we know God is able and he is faithful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I, have have, a I might not be home until like 5.30 or 6. Okay. okay. At 12, you know, I was just lunching. But, you know, yesterday I had all those doctors. I'm still doing it. I okay. got to get me together. All right. All right. No problem. And that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. God is faithful. But all right. God okay. bless you. And I pray all go well at every appointment today. In Jesus' name. Yes. Thank you. Hallelujah. All right. We're moving on. If there anyone else have something they would like to say, please feel free to press that number one and uh, come in this morning. Good morning to you, Brother D. God bless you this morning, sir. Thank you so much for letting me see that 706. And uh, good morning to you, Sister Dorothy Goodman. And I, I know you are not really on a vacation, vacation, but I truly hope that uh, you enjoying your trip and uh, praying for you that all go well down there and everything is more than you are expecting. Good morning to you, Minister Shonda. God bless you this morning. Happy to see that four, that four, three, four. God bless you this morning, honey bunny. <laughs> good morning to you, Sister Rita. God bless you this morning. And a good morning to you, Sion. God bless you. Thank you so much for all the encouragement. And with uh, Terry K. Anderson says, you're going to help me preach this, won't you? I immediately think about that Sion because. She gonna help me preach it and teach it. And if I don't remember something, I can see on this and that. She go right to oh, it's this, this, and this. Yeah, it's good to have those kind of people around to help you out. So I'm so thankful. Good morning to you, Pastor David. God bless you this morning, sir. Pray all is going well with you and uh, your wife is a blessing. Yeah, she is a blessing. And uh, I thank God for her. Thank God for you. Thank God for your mother-in-law. You know, if, if this is a strange situation. You don't get the, 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 the daughter, the son-in-law, and the mother-in-law, or 
the son and the daughter and the mother-in-law. You don't get that like that. But I have that here like that. And when I look at that, that makes me feel so happy. Yeah, because the mother-in-law, this mother-in-law, Love that son-in-law. You, it's her son. I just may as well take the law part out. Yeah, she loved him. I wish she would say something negative about him. She'll straighten you right. Oh, no. She's going to straighten you about that. Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing. I thank God for y'all. I know he sent y'all my way, and uh, I'm so grateful. He sent me your way. I'm so grateful unto him. Good morning to you, Sister Irene. And uh, I'm going to ask the intercessors, to pray for Sister Irene's daughter, Cindy. Please pray for her. And uh, I know God is a healer. Not only that, the natural doctors can do what they want. But he's a great physician that healeth be. And I know he's able to heal Cindy. And so if we touch and agree in prayer, not only does God hear, I believe he answers. Well, I know he does. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So good morning to you again, Sister Irene. God bless you. And uh, we're praying for Cindy. And uh, just keep looking to the hills from which cometh your help. All of your help comes from the Lord. He made the heavens and the earth. And so we're thankful unto him. Hallelujah. Again, good morning to you, Sister Jerry. God bless you this morning. Thank you for the testimony. And I'm talking about the goodness of God. We know what he can do. He's done great things for us over and over again. And so we are happy uh, to have him as our Lord and Savior. Yeah. Y'all, another one, y'all keep Sister Sherry in prayer. Brother Louis, the, the uh, pharmacist gave them the wrong medication for her eye. And it was said that when, they, when you give her the medication, the eye would hurt. But guess what? That that wasn't what was the medication wasn't called in the eye of her. It was shingles. She got shingles in her eye. And so he keeps taking her back and forth to the doctor. And uh, they told him that there's a possibility of her losing the eye. But I bind that up. Her losing her eye, losing her sight, I bind it up this morning in the name of Jesus. And cast it to the pits of hell, never to return. And so today, we are asking God to heal Sherry and heal Louis and let that spirit of shangles leave there. Yeah, those evil shangles spirits leave them today in the name of Jesus. And we ask God to rebuke the, the spirit of shangles at the house. Yeah, rebuke it, Father, for your sake in the name of Jesus so they can come out saying, we know God is truly a healer. Yeah, post Sherrod and suffered because the, 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 they thinking it was the medication, but it was the shingles. Yeah, so we pray for them and uh, ask God to touch and heal over there. And anything over there is not like him, that he would put it out from over there. Oh, one more great news, great news, great news. Brother Jermaine sent me a picture of the baby, all big, healthy baby. And uh, he said his, his wife didn't want no pain medication. And she was just wanted to do natural birth. He said that was the quickest labor. She was out. She had to live with that baby in two hours. I can, uh, I can testify to that. 
I can testify to that. When they gave me the medication, oh, it took forever, dragging out of me in pain. I want to scream. I want to run. Give me some water. They give me ice chips. But when I had natural birth, I think I had two with medication and the other six, I had natural birth. Quick, quick, quick. Yeah. So she learned. She learned fast from those other babies taking the pain medication. It makes the labor last longer. But you go in there naturally, you come to baby. Because it's designed, it's the design of Almighty God. He was the one who said, be fruitful and multiply. But we uh, got in our minds what we wanted and what we didn't want. We became a more modern people. We didn't want to stay in the realms of God. We wanted to do our own thing. So these people created medications that make childbearing worse. Another thing I didn't do, I, I did not do all that prenatal care. Uh-uh. Oh, take these vitamins. I, I'm not, uh-uh. I never had diabetes when I was carrying the babies. I didn't have no complications. The only complication I had was eating too many of them Japanese plums. I just couldn't get enough of them Japanese plums. Then there were other times that they said pickles and ice cream. No, that wasn't on my agenda. Uh-uh. I had other things. I like that macaroni and cheese baked in the oven a lot. Yeah. See, when it's natural, the natural thing that God designed a woman's body to do, it's going to do it. But if we follow these people and then our mind telling us we're not supposed to have all these children, I don't want them on children. And know what? We short right now. We are short. Had women kept the right mind, they would have lots of children, and where one one wouldn't do, another one would. I got the boy coming over here, <laughs> coming over here today. Well, he no boy, he a grown man, but he a boy to me, cause he my baby. And uh, he coming over here today to uh, get some more information from me to talk to him about something. He's opening a, a business. And I know it, I know it to be prosperous. And then he, uh, I text him to see, are, are you able to still come today? Because if you're coming, I'll make a meal. But i cook them groceries. But if you're not coming, I'm not cooking no groceries because I don't eat like that. And I want to share this too. Oh, Brother Janine named the baby Gabriel. I think that's the name. Another thing, too, is this. Any illness you have, I see you, Eric Code 631. Bear with me just a second. Any illness that you have, any sickness that you have, I want you to look up what foods cure that. What foods cure whatever is ailing you? So I began to eat those foods for what was ailing me, digestion, my knees, my back, all of these things. And, as, and let me tell you something else, taking the sugar out of the diet, taking all of these white uh, things out of my diet, basically a plant-based diet other than turkey. And so uh, what's happening is this. I started doing exercises. I, 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 I well, exercising. The knees, I, I stand up and I can't believe it. I, I, I'm like, what? The knees going back together? 
It's like it's building its own copy. I, I can't explain it. And I was having problems at 66 remembering. Today I see numbers because you know when you go on a certain website and maybe you forgot your password or it give you a verification, two-step verification. It give you six numbers. I look at the numbers one time and remember. I used to have to pull it up in my messenger, I mean in my text, pull it up and, and, and type it from there because I couldn't remember it. But now I noticed it for the past few days. I went back and started playing the jewels. Yeah, because I plan to remember and I plan on being here for a while until God says I go. But while I'm here, I want to do my part to keep me healthy. Yeah, so I can go where he said go and do what he says to do. Obedience is better than the sacrifice. It's better than you paying your tithes and offering. It's better than you giving your the shirt off your back to somebody. Your last dollar you get, it's better than that. Because obeying God will cause him to bless you. Yeah. All right, area code 631. God bless you this morning. How are you? God bless you. And you know what? I love your point about food and diet. It's so important. And I have something I'd like to share with you and your beautiful, soulful listeners. I look at it this way. If God gave us the food that we need, and when you go to the supermarket, you look at a potato, that's from God, eat it. You look at corn, that's from God, eat it. You look at chicken, that's from God, created by God, eat it. But now if you see a package of candy that's blue, well, you and I both know God didn't make that. So don't eat it. Just look at the foods that God has given us because God will provide. That's why God has placed these wonderful foods for us on earth. Amen. I have to agree. Yeah. Because even in the book of Genesis. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. No, I I just wanted to say that, that I, you know, it's important. You know, you share so much beautiful wisdom and knowledge. You know, you take the word of the Lord and you spread it and you inspire people. So I wanted to give back to you. I wanted to jump onto your conversation and give you my knowledge to help you as well, because you are a beautiful soul. Amen. God bless you this morning. God bless you. Yeah. When I look in the uh, book of Genesis, it even talks about the plants. I I really didn't see meat over there, but I saw plants. And I'm not a vegan. I'm not a vegetarian. But I I know, you know, what he said over there. And when I use these things, it has helped me. Carrots for the eyes. Yes. You know, I I look at the... You know, sister, I look at the earth like, um, you know, when you buy a fish tank, you put the food in the tank, you put the plants in the tank, you put everything in the tank that the fish needs to survive. Well, Mm -hmm. earth, if you look at the earth as a big tank and God. I think we broke up. Yeah, I think we got cut off. Yeah, but that's what I look at. And I started looking at things. And that's what that plant meant in Genesis. Now, sister, I've I've shared my knowledge with you and my love, and I would like to request a prayer for myself, something that I'm going through personally. Can that be possible? Yes, yes. So well, my name can... is Pete, Pete Davidson, oh, and uh, okay. 
I'm an actor on the side. I do acting and I do um, live shows. And my reputation from what I've done in the past is that uh, I need to change. Uh, I'm a victim of body shaming. So here, here it is. It's unfortunate. And I've gone to a psychiatrist and a psychologist and uh, I've suffered from stress from this. But I'd like you to please pray that God could somehow change people's perceptions of me because I'm known in the industry for having a big penis, big genitals. And I, I knew this was a troll. He did it. I knew he was a troll. But this is what happens. Uh, they, they're getting a little bit wiser. They, they talk right for a while. So you think that, you know, they on the up and up. Then here come the trolling. But we yet are going to pray for him. He said his name is Pete Davidson. We're going to just pray for the man who called in from the 631 area code. We're going to pray and ask God whatever he's desiring God to do for him, that within God's will, God will do it. Not only that, what he needs from God, we're going to pray that God supply him the need. Because God supply need according to his riches and glory by his son, Christ Jesus. So intercessors, I need y'all to pray for the man who called in from the 631 area code. And we're praying that God will give him what he needs. Yeah, in Jesus' name. So we know that God is faithful. He's able. Uh, we have a few minutes left. So I'm going to close the studio for calls. And we're going to pray the prayer of faith, and then we'll go to our last song of the morning. And after our last song, I won't be coming back. God bless you today. Get a testimony together for tomorrow, so when you come, you can testify to the goodness of the Lord. Brother D, God bless you, man. I love seeing that 706. That just makes my day. Yeah, because I know God is yet faithful. And I give my baby girl a kiss over there and say hello to Latoya for me. And I know them boys have grown. Give the boys a hug and a kiss for me. And I'm moving right along in Jesus' name. So let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you thanking you for all that has been said and done. Thank you for the uh, 631 number that called in, God, requested prayer. You know what this man truly needs, God. And we ask that you would supply the need to him, whether it's to seek you with his whole heart, whether it's to accept you as his Lord and Savior, whatever it is, God, you know we don't know. We ask that you would do it for him today. And where two or three are gathered in your name as touching and agreeing, Father, not only that you're in the midst, but you're going to bless this person because we are asking you to. We bring Sister Sharon, Brother Louis before you this morning. And Father, we ask that you would touch and heal today. Heal Sharon's eye. God, again, remove the shangles. We bind it up and cast it to the pits of hell in the name of Jesus. And again, this morning, we ask that you would rebuke it for your sake in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we ask that you would bless Brother Jermaine and his wife and the new baby, Gabriel. And Lord, bless the other children. Just bless his family. And Lord, I know that when he's in dire need, he's going to call me that I can reach you. And I'm so thankful unto you that not only you hear, but Father, you answer. 
Bless every caller and every listener this day in the name of Jesus. Those coming through the archives and the podcast, move in a mighty way. Father, you know what these, you know what's best for all of us. And Lord, those that stand in the need of finances, we ask today that you would move in a mighty way, oh God, for money answers all things. And Father, money make us happy. It make us glad. We don't love it, but Father, we enjoy what money can do. Move by your spirit for us today in the name of Jesus. Bless our going out today and our coming in. Again, meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Jesus Christ. Again, we ask it all in his name, in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God Jehovah upon you today, July 20th, 2023. Seven months and 20 days into this new year. And I speak this on you in Jesus' name. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye. Again, have a blessed, blessed day. We are going to our last song uh, this morning, and after this song, we won't be coming back. <laughs> oh, oh.